The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Hello, geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. We've got a absolute classic that we're going to bastardize this episode. I'm very excited about. This is a film that just about anybody listening is deeply familiar with to a point where you could almost recite the movie, I'm I'm assuming. And I know that's the case for me and my guest tonight. I am uh, Mike the Hobbit, the host of Smack My Pitch Up. And here with me is my co-host on Geeks Under the Influence, Lowdown Brown MacGyver. Hey, what's up, guys? You were only on one other episode of Smack My Pitch Up, right? Was that the first episode? It was the pilot. The pilot. As far as I can remember, um, I th- yeah. Think that's, that's, how bad is that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Too much recording. Well, there's no, just but, so many podcasts on the network now. Yeah. It's hard to keep track of like how long it's been since. Uh, yeah, and I've been on them all, so it's kind of like, oh, God. So it's approaching a year because we're getting close to a year went from the uh, pilot episode of Smack mm-hmm. My Pitch Up. So, yeah. yeah that's, that was a solid episode, too, though. That was quantum leap. That yep, was good. Absolutely, uh, such a good idea for a starter. And this is one that I had never really considered until you brought up as a possibility for a uh, reboot. And it seems absolutely appropriate because, as much as it's beloved, the original, it needs a kind of a modern updating. Mm-hmm. And I want to, before we even announce the name of the episode, not that you didn't see it when you clicked on this episode, <laughs> but I want to be clear that this isn't necessarily a s- saying that it needs a reboot because the the old one just doesn't connect anymore because it clearly connects. But I watched an interview with Molly Ringwald earlier that she talked about how there is some problems with the original movie connecting nowadays, as far as it's a really white film. Mm. There are literally only white actors in the movie. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit problematic in a, in a society that it, that's not the case. (laughs) Maybe diverse it up a little bit. Uh, this isn't like alt-right high where <laughs> it's just a bunch of white kids running around. So uh, what we are talking about, of course, is Breakfast Club. The uh, John Hughes classic. Yes. Is his second film, I believe. The first one being 16. No. It, yeah. It was 16 Candles was his first one. Breakfast Club, I believe, is his second. Was it? I guess that makes sense. You can, I can kind of see how it, like the feel of the Breakfast Club flowing versus how 16 Candles kind of had a little. Apparently, the, the legend of it and it's at the point where the legend can't really be separated from the fact is that John Hughes wrote breakfast club. And then he was looking at casting and he looked at Molly Ringwald uh, as, as the main role that she ended up getting and was kind of inspired by her personality, uh, talking with her and, and looking at her for breakfast club uh, and used that as a kind of a launching point to write 16 candles and 16 candles was so well received by the studios that they ended up making that first, even though Breakfast Club was written first. Hmm. 
So yeah. Molly Ringwald was kind of his muse. And so what would the third one have been? Weird Science? Uh, weird Science or uh, Pretty in Pink, maybe. Oh, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller, one. maybe. Yeah. When that one, because that was, and that you could tell that one was a bigger production, right? Oh, they, very much. They shut down some streets. <laughs> yeah. Parade scene and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. So we are talking about the Breakfast Club. You are very familiar. Uh, kind of, we're going to talk about it once, especially once we get into casting, kind of how we're going to not necessarily take away from the spirit of it, maybe change the tone slightly, maybe not, uh, but we're definitely going to kind of change the way the characters interact with each other, what they represent to each other, I guess is probably the best way. Yeah. So yeah. I guess best way to do that is to just get into it. Oh, first, before we get into that, I do want to make mention of something that was announced on the last episode of Geeks Under the Influence that we're very excited about is that Geeks Under the Influence Network, including this show, is going to GalaxyCon in Richmond, Virginia at the end of May, May, thir- May 31st through June 2nd at the Richmond Convention Center. Four shows on the network. Smack My Pitch Up, Geeks Under the Influence, Geek Father, and Beautiful Disasters. Uh, we are currently looking at Beautiful Disasters actually doing a screening of the movie they're going to cover before doing the episode. So you can watch the movie so you get all the inside jokes as they're talking about how ridiculous that film is. And uh, we have a few more ideas and surprises in store for you with all the other shows uh, that are doing their live recordings during Galaxy Con. Uh, I'm extremely excited for this. And uh, from a number of our fans that we've talked to, they are also very excited to see us be dumbasses in public uh, and recording yeah. it so it's gonna be fun it's gonna be so much it's gonna fun. be so much freaking fun absolutely so definitely check out we have an event page now on facebook that you can find on any of the four podcasts mentioned uh that has a link to the tickets for galaxy con and uh, or just look up galaxy con they have a page as well where you can get a uh, link to the tickets so join us at galaxy con for some uh, live geeks under the influence network recordings and uh need now on to the breakfast club now, the first thing first is a plot overview. What about the plot, if anything, are you looking at changing? Is there anything massive that you're looking to? Um, no, because so. All right. We, there's still Saturday detention in school. Right. Mm-hmm. So that and that and that's the overall premise why they're all there. Right. So that that can stay there. Um, and we all know. Because I've been to Saturday detention. It is very scarce. So that's something yeah. that I think is going to be timeless. Like, that's going to happen. I don't think schools ever get rid of that because it's really bad if you have to give up a Saturday. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, no, the setting uh, inside the school, I think, is fitting. Um, you know, a library, I think, would work. Yeah. Although, I will say that I've noticed in, in schools, the libraries are progressively getting smaller. Yeah. Well, as the books are turning electronic, there's yeah. less need for the library. So there's more computers in the library, less books. Yeah. Yeah. So that that would be the thing where they're not just at open tables, which opens conversation. They would have computers in front of them that would have to potentially be locked because yep. they're in detention. Yep. You know, um, and, and, and you, you don't want to stick them in a, necessarily a classroom. But you could do that, but that would really close down the landscape of them being able to like kind of escape and because I still want that in the movie. I still want like there's a scene where they can kind of like get around the school without the without vice principal sure. and like, you know, figuring out they've done it, you know, and if you lock them in a the classroom, you're kind of like taking that away. Yeah, it's got to be somewhere that they can that's accessible, accessible to leave. Yeah, because as much as the majority of the film takes place in that one library, 
um, you definitely want to open up the environment a little bit, at least give an idea that this is actually a school. It's yeah. not, this isn't a play. This is an actual exactly. movie that has a, a full, like multiple locations. Yeah, because in the original one, I mean, they, he's in the ceiling. He, they have one particular storage room. They have a whole montage running through the halls. There's the gym where he's playing basketball. basketball. And, yeah, yeah, you know, they show, they, he goes to his locker. You know, there's a multiple facets in the school they show. Yeah. And I, w- I want to open up that. Because I think that really opened up to the viewers that this is, you know, this is a high school that's empty and it's just them. Now, I I am curious about because my high school that I graduated from the year after I graduated took away the lockers and lockers were no longer able to be used. And I know of a couple other schools that just lockers are no longer used. Is that a thing like overall or am I just I was just one of those schools that decided to. I think you're maybe one of those schools because my son's middle school. So maybe it's different going to be different in high school but my son's middle school yes they do have a chromebook which eliminates the need for textbooks yeah. to a certain extent but they just re- redid every hall between the 6th to 8th grade hall and they they put the lockers back in that's still a thing in the okay. school so it's so just it was just wow. my weird overreactive school now remember i graduated the year of columbine so the year after columbine they they locked all the lockers and the, you couldn't have backpacks unless they were clear so there were a bunch of assholes, 1950s style, with belts wrapped around their books, uh, carrying them around the school uh, because there was no other option. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and I did. Uh, I had a couple contracts at my previous job where I had to go into schools. And one of the newer schools, the Huguenot High School, um, I mean, that was literally still in the process of being built. It wasn't open for students yet. Sure. And they had, they had not just regular lockers. They also had rows of lower lockers for wheelchair accessibility. That's pretty badass. That's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah that's nice. I'm like, what are these? Why? I'm like, oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. They thought of that. Yeah. You know, because I mean, they, they had like two rows because I mean, you know, you don't need but so many, but it was yeah. cool that they didn't make students feel like they had to have this giant locker and they really couldn't utilize the whole thing. Yeah. You know, you're but, trying um, to reach a higher shelf. And I was like, oh, well, I guess this is it for me. I guess I got just the floor. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, so definitely, uh, I, I feel like what I've seen of high schools, it, 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 it hasn't changed so much. The only thing that's really changed is just some of the tech that's involved with it. Sure. That's what you've got, you know. So overall, I really can't say the setting or or any of that stuff is going to change, right? Yeah. What will change, though, is we're, we're going to talk about, you know, the, the issues that kids today deal with. Sure. That's that's the main premise of why it needs a reboot. You know, 24 years later, 34 years later. 34 years 34 later. 34 years later. Kids don't have the same problems no. they did. Yeah. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I mean, hell, kids don't have the same problems they did as when I was in school. Yeah, exactly. Like, let alone add on, you know. 20 years of that. Yeah. You know, so, Jesus. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, you know, as much as it's a beloved film, it does have the regular character archetypes of high school from the eighties where there's the jock, there's the prep, there's the, the weirdo kid, the nerd, you know, that, that there's all these like very set archetypes of characters and the actors definitely give those characters nuance in that. But that's not exactly the way archetypes work nowadays in schools. So I think both of us are going to approach that in kind of our own ways. So Mm -hmm. I might as well get started with it. The way we usually start is by talking about uh, if you are unfamiliar with Smack My Pitch Up, how we do this is we have a actual take on it, something we think might actually work as a reboot or remake or or sequel and something that we think would just be kind of a fun, interesting take or or silly take on the uh, on the the uh, IP. So what is your uh, what are your directors for your serious and your funny? My director, I'll go with the funny first, would be uh, Wes Anderson. 
Wes Anderson. So like yeah. Rushmore Two, Electric Boogaloo. Seriously, yeah. No, I mean, seriously, that that's. I was like, he's done this high school thing before. This could be really fun and make that it could super be, awkward. It would be so deeply awkward. <laughs> um, and my serious director, though, and I think he would do a good job and not just I don't think he would do an homage, even though he loves John Hughes, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. OK, I think he could do a solid because I think he, he can do the funny while still keeping the serious because we've all seen he's had a lot of funny movies, but given Outside of the niche of like, uh, uh, um, you know, his hot fuzz and his, you know, the Cornetto, the Cornetto trilogy, I think he could really hone in on driving a down the road movie that can deliver both like John Hughes did, you know? Yeah. Not the same as John Hughes as Edgar Wright, but the core is having that delivery. You know what I mean? That's what I think I take away from that movie. If you're going to reboot it and as a director that wants to take on that project, you need to be able, you need to understand that you need to, there is something that needs to stay there. Sure. Just don't make it a jerk fest to the original director. Yeah. And that's uh, that kind of leads into my my funny is mm-hmm. somebody that is just so deeply enthralled with with John Hughes that and also just teen drama in mm-hmm. general that I thought it would be kind of an interesting take to see like a deep, deep in the wool fanboy trying to do something different with the casting and being like wanting to stay true to the ca- the casting and the story as well and how awkward that would be because this is also a director that really likes filth involved in his direction uh kevin smith doing uh breakfast club yeah he would totally jerk all over that he would jerk like he would be on set just like being like this isn't directed at any of you i'm so sorry this is just just, no i made you sign i made you sign a form before you started i'm not making any eye contact with anyone i am so sorry right now like get a special table made so that nobody can see what's happening behind there he's just like in the little truth box from Futurama where there's a little blinking light and he's just in there jerking it while giving direction. Oh, yeah. No, that's solid, though. That is completely right. So I, the whole theme of the Kevin Smith side is it's going to be just like weird, uh, weird kind of alignment with the original, but like slightly off. And then occasional like hard turns on the original trying to make it its own, but it's very jagged in kind of its approach. So, I mean, I could see like him... And a way to kind of make it not just straight a jerk fest, but him trying to do a reboot of Breakfast Club and mixing it with his own thing. So it would kind of have the feel of being in one area like Clerks, maybe. Uh, it more so, I think, if you are unfamiliar with this fact, uh, Kevin Smith is also a huge fan of the teen drama Degrassi. Hmm. So there's definitely going to be little little nuances, little little touches of Degrassi thrown in. There might be, I don't know, like lumberjackery or i don't know what canadians do <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea i know we have canadian listeners uh, so if you could let us know that you aren't all just like eating like uh, eating syrup like drinking syrup and then cutting down trees uh, and playing hockey we know what our canadian does and he does and, and but i don't think all canadians do that i, I really hope not because our, our <laughs> canadian's an asshole so <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> i'm sure there are plenty of very nice canadians yes yes <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, for my uh, for my serious, I wanted somebody that's done some stuff with uh, younger actors before, but definitely edgy has done some pretty dark shit as well. Uh, Gus Van Zant. Ooh, yeah. If you are unfamiliar, he did Drugstore Cowboy, mm-hmm. uh, Goodwill Hunting, uh, Finding Forrester, and uh, the one that I was really thinking about when casting him as the director is a movie from 2003 called Elephant. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's very much an ad libbed. A movie where they're doing a lot of the the story kind of as they go 
Uh, but this is in a school with high school kids. And then three quarters of the way through the movie, a kid armed with guns comes in and starts shooting up the school. And it's like jarring when it happens. I mean, there's no setup at all. There's no nods to it happening in the movie. It's just this really interesting kind of character piece about kids in high school around circa like 2003 and then fucking gunfire. So it basically makes it seem like it's mimicking real life. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just like out of nowhere and it's, it's shocking when it happens. And so I, I'm not gonna, this is breakfast club. So I'm not getting like super dark, but there is definitely the, I was thinking about the scene with, uh, with the nerd, uh, with Brian, where he, he talks about, ended up being a flare gun, bringing the gun to school to shoot himself. And I think putting a little bit of a turn where it leaves it more ambiguous as to what he was going to do with the gun would give it a kind of a, you know, cause they laughed about it being a flare gun in breakfast club and like, fuck no, they're not going to let it. He <laughs> no. wouldn't be in fucking Saturday school. No, he would be in jail. <laughs> he would be, <laughs> that he is, would be in a Hannibal Lecter mask. I mean, it is one, that is one thing that you just brought attention to clearly like that is not Saturday detention worth. That is like you are expelled. You brought a gun to school, yeah. even if it was a flare gun. And B, your parents need to send you to get some help. Yeah, we exactly. really think that your son is troubled, and we we, we yeah. There's we hope there's that you. <laughs> that's the that's mid eighties where it's like, oh, you were gonna shoot yourself. Well, you gotta go to Saturday school. <laughs> yeah, what the what fuck? The fuck? <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh. That'll that'll teach him to not be sad. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we've talked about this multiple times before off the air. We're like, you know, um, mental health had a stigma for the longest time. And uh, people who can't really talk about it. The original movie opened that door where they all talked about it amongst themselves of having serious issues dealing with everything outside of the visual that people see. Right. Yeah. And um, but in today's society and today's youth, because of our generation, honestly, you know, yeah, uh, kind of open the doorway for them to be able to now be open about those kinds of things. And I absolutely thought about that when thinking Gus Van Zandt is I wanted these actors, to, uh, these these kids in this movie to really have the opportunity to talk about like, well, how are you fucked up? And the scene in Breakfast Club where they're going through each other's wallets and purses and looking through it. Part of that is that they're going to be looking at each other's medications and seeing, <laughs> oh, what are you on? Oh, I was on that last year, but then I got switched to this. Mm-hmm. And just a whole like literally everyone in that room is medicated yeah. in one way or another. It's dealing with one thing or the other, because I really want to drive home the fact that it, if this is a modern high school, there's a there's a feeling of ennui of hopelessness that that current kids have nowadays because of the nature of the world and the way it is. And with the Internet and everybody being at at each other's throats on a social constant, media, social media. And I really want to drive that home that this is an entire generation of fucking anxious, uh, terrified, angry kids. And that needs to be driven home. If you're having a, a movie that's talking about what kids are going through, that 100% needs to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I feel it needs to have a little bit more of an edge to it. I think Gus Van Zandt could do it. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a solid. I didn't even think of him, but that is, I think that's really solid. Nice. I nice. do. I really, I really dig that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, oh, he also did My Own Private Idaho, if it didn't mention that, which yeah. I fucking love that movie so much. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a treat. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> that's a treat. That's dark, too. But... <laughs> no, it's dark. It's, yeah. it's like, you watch it, you're like, oh, whoa. Oh. <laughs> okay. um, and as a side note, one that I was bouncing between for my serious one was Rain uh, Johnson. Okay. Just because we, he can direct kid young, he can do young well. He's done Brick, and I, I was really basing it off Brick. Brick, granted yeah. that was the detective style, but it definitely was c- 
comedic and dark at the same time. It had that. Le- it had a good balance of mm-hmm. light and dark, and that's like I said, that's what I want. And that's know? the importance in Breakfast Club is to do exactly. that. Uh, one director that I was thinking of, and I was really kind of leaning towards it, but he just did his directorial debut, so I wasn't sure if like it was the right choice. And um, was Jonah Hill. Mm. If you are unfamiliar with his directing, he just did did a movie called Mid Nineties. It's about like poor uh, kind of like shit talking skateboard kids in the mid nineties. And it's very nineties and it's very real. These kids are like smoking weed and drinking and like vandalizing shit and like cussing like crazy and having like teen sex and just doing all the things. And the parents are just not even in like paying attention. They go out and then they come back, you know, when it gets dark or later that night and the parents are off in their own little world. And it's a totally different dynamic than it is now. Mm -hmm. And it really comes through like deeply comes through in mid nineties. And I, but it was so deeply nineties. I don't know how Jonah Hill would have dealt with the eighties kind of aesthetic or a modern take either. Like that, this was clearly from his generation being mm-hmm. that kid, you know, or yeah. being around that, that he was able to pull from. So I, I kind of decided to go with, uh, with Kevin Smith as well um, for the, uh, for the funny instead of Jonah Hill. So I would say that that movie's called mid nineties, but that could have been the mid eighties because the kids been. are the same way. They, they they do a really good, the Duffer Brothers do a really good job of Stranger Things of showing the, how the parents have like no idea where their fucking kids are. Nope, kids are just running around on bikes, just doing dumb shit. And mm. if you remember in the when I was you know when you were a kid, like you know you say, "Hey, I'm just going out." You, you literally could say in the morning, "I'm going over to so and so's," and they would literally like not be worried about you until you didn't go home at like ten o'clock at night or something. Or even if you, you know? didn't come home, you just called and say, "Hey, I'm staying over at so and so's house." And if they had talked to their parents once ever. Not that day, just ever. ever. <laughs> then, yeah. then it was fine. Yeah. And I remember doing that where uh, I, my mom would be like, well, I want to talk to their parents. And she'd have a nice, polite phone call with the parents, touch base, like, okay, you don't seem like a creep. Cool. My kid can stay there. And then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going over. You know, I had a friend, Tony, that lived in a different part of town that it didn't go to my school. I just knew him from like shows and friends and stuff. And uh, I'd be like, oh, I'm staying at Tony's. And I would just get on the bus and leave at like <laughs> 14, 15 years old, just on a city bus in like, bad areas of the city going and i would usually meet up with tony but we'd crash wherever we were partying mm-hmm. and like, there you go yeah it was whatever yeah so but definitely um what we're gonna what we will uh portray more so in this reboot is how that is not the case these kids are actually you know, um, um, at least how i plan on doing some of them they're going to be over like over their shoulder all the time. Like parents, like because they, you know, instead of parents, like trying to talk and work through things with these kids, because we know they are open. And now the parents know that these kids are dealing with certain things and they are feeling a certain way and they're troubled about certain things. Some, a couple of the parents might, let's say be overbearing and yeah, always be on their face and always wanting to like needle them in the head and what exactly mm-hmm. are they thinking kind of thing. You know what I mean? Micromanaging exactly. or, or helicopter parenting exactly. as they call it. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's the thing now. Mm-hmm. Like really big, you know, with a lot of kids. I look at kids like hamburgers that if, if you get a hamburger and you just like let it do its own thing for a while and then you flip it once, mm-hmm. let it like sizzle for a little while. It's, it's going to be nice and juicy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be full, full of flavor and great profile. It's going to be fantastic meal. You, put your spatula on it and apply pressure constantly the entire time it's gross. it's gonna it's gonna cook quicker um but uh it's gonna be completely dry no flavor it's gonna be cooked all the way through it's gonna be just burned out basically it's gonna be gross a little briquette and that's uh <laughs> yeah. that kids you know that's yeah. that's the same thing you gotta give them a little bit of breathing room and i and i can say as being the parent of a you know soon to be 14 year old good god 
Really? Um, 14. Yeah, in May. Man. Man. 14. Anyway, um, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, I we let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. He, when he wants to interact with the parents, you know, outside of doing the parent thing and making him and making sure he's doing his the things he needs to be doing, like homework, getting the grades done, getting the project done and doing his chores, mm-hmm. clearly. But as far as like being helicoptering about him and his friends and his personal side, like I let him do his thing. And then he comes to us and he, ta- he openly now he openly talks about that stuff because we don't we don't like badger him with it. Yep. And also. The only time that we do badger him about something is when we can visibly tell physically something is wrong with him. Yeah. Sure. Physically, he is dealing with something and he yep. needs us to push it out of him kind of thing. Because at this face, the teenagers don't really know how to just vomit. They kind of just like keep it. Keep it know. down until it explode. Exactly. Yeah. So that other than that, it's it, it works well. It yeah. works very well. Oh, yeah. Just don't don't be up your kids asses. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking Change of kids, we got a lot of kids. We got a cast in yeah, this thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, I started with the principal, is who I, did I too. who I casted. So um, it's, that's Principal Richard Vernon. Mm-hmm. And uh, who's your funny? My funny is well, I picked Wes Anderson, so I had to go Bill Murray. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I On had board. to. I had to. And he has that way of being like a complete dick, but you're just like, I adore you as he's <laughs> exactly. being exactly. He's so. so lovable. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and my serious. And I went through a few different actors for this, but I, I settled on Idris Elba. I think he could really drive. Wow. That yeah. I mean, real like firm hand yeah. kind of principle. Yeah. So it was it, he, he's when I settled on. But I was bouncing between him and Brian Cranston, actually. Ooh, I not a bad Cranston could have done that's really well. solid, too. Yeah. Uh, for my funny, I decided directed by Kevin Smith. I thought it would be a lot of fun to see what Dennis Leary could do as the principal. Oh, because he, he's that dickhead kind of personality. And I was just thinking of the scene with with Bender in the uh, in the coat room or wherever he is, where he's like, you know, I'll fuck you up. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're going to hit me. Are you threatening me? He's like, who's going to believe you? Just Dennis Leary with that smarmy attitude, just delivering that line, I think would be absolutely brilliant. It's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking of the same thing. And that was one of the key factors that I ended up picking Idris over because I'm like, imagine Idris up walking up to you, but he goes back into thug mode, like the wire. And he's just like, <laughs> he's just like, and he just like, he just straight up just like is just in your grill. Like, yeah, I'll be like, <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, yeah. so I, that's, and, and I pictured Brian Cranston doing it. I'm like, oh, nah, dude, you're not scary. Yeah. <laughs> Even to a kid, you're not scary. Now, uh, for the, Gus Van Sant one. I wanted a, a character actor that could really drive home the fact that it was less about these kids being assholes or this being just a one dimensional prick. And it's just this dude that just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like he's just out of the loop completely. You know, it's that thing. And like these kids turned on me and the janitor's like, or, you know, you thought this would be a fun job and found out it wasn't and it took some work. And you were like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> um, and I, an actor that's just killed it on uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Bob Odenkirk mm-hmm. as the principal. Mm. I think would be a lot of fun in that role. Yes. Yes. Because we basically can, get Saul. Even when he's doing a dramatic role, it's not that it's funny what he's doing, but there's such a nuance that comes from his comedic background that it gives it a lot of just a lot of a lot of room. That is why he is. They have had a successful three seasons of Better Call Saul where he is the main character in suspense yep. Breaking Bad. It, right. I mean, that's why that's there, because his delivery you know, he's one of the, he also is a writer for that show. Sure. And it's like he it's just it's hilarious, but it still keeps the feel in the vein of that show. Mm-hmm. But you're right, his delivery, like I laugh my ass off at the show and like I don't think I should be laughing, but it seems it's where it's super he, serious the moment, it's, but it's just the it's him. There's the the fuck you attitude of it that <laughs> yeah. you're just like ah <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. Bob Odenkirk's amazing. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought that was pretty good. Um, next one that I got is uh, Andrew Clark, the previously known as the Jock from uh, from Breakfast Club. Uh, who do you got for your for your funny and your serious? My funny went with uh, Zach Efron. Okay. Just because okay. he, I mean, I look, I mean, and he's never been in a Wes Anderson movie. I think Wes Anderson would have a field day with Pretty Boy Zac Efron. That's true. Honestly, just, I think he would. Like, I think he would just like, you know, yeah, go to town on him because he's like, oh, you want to be in my movie? Like, because it's right. totally out of his wheelhouse. Prepare to get awkward. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like I guess I want, I, my funny one is basically made off just being awkward. Okay. So all my choices are just going to be like, oh, this is going to be. Oh God! It's just strange. Like, and... I I want to take his annex for them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, my serious uh would be John Boyega. Okay. Okay. John Boyega. He's um, and in this and, and in this vein, so are we just gonna do through the casting, or or as we're going through the casting, can kind of just do a spin on what we want them to be for their. Character? That's what I'm figuring is like yeah. with each character, so, so we have a second to. Um, my funny one, I didn't put that much thought behind like their actual stance on certain things because the casting alone is just ridiculous. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just dumb. Yeah. Um, but with Boyega, um, so he's, he's playing the jock character, but he, his role is actually going to be more of the, um, not that he, because John Boyega is an African is African American. It's because he is actually going to, be the racial aspect because we didn't cover some of the topics we're going to cover now are the current things is so racism cyberbullying lgbtq mm-hmm. um those and those sort of topics that kids mental health those are things that we're covering now and he is actually going to play the racial side okay like so he is star athlete you know black male but that's like, all he is that's all he is yeah. when it comes to his personality and what he's his, say his parents were in a movement or something and they just spread hate towards the, you know, towards white people for all the oppression that we've had. And then, mm-hmm. and there's reverse racism. That's a thing too. But you could also have like his being brought up that way. And the, the feeling of him being treated almost like a, like a racehorse where there's yeah. him wanting to do well in school, but nobody even really giving him the attention he needs to really, that's all he is, is the, athlete. all he is, is the athletes. People are pushing him through the whole time. Yeah. Because I like he's that athletic. I like that better. Yeah. No, I like that better a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause mine is like, it is feeding on something that is a thing. There is reverse racism uh, as well. Sure. Like, that, that is a thing. And, and any race, you know, um, but I like that better because I think that, that does drive it home more. People do look to certain. It's like they said, and get out. It's good stock. Well, and I've seen that with just people I've run into in sports bars and stuff. These dudes that are, I mean, not basically they're just racists mm-hmm. that are watching basketball and like loving these characters and wearing the jerseys and everything and making it. And that's their reasoning for, well, I'm not a racist because I have a jersey of a black athlete. It's like, no. No. You know, there were people that cheered on the gladiators that were murdering each other in ancient Rome. That didn't mean that they were like, you know, you should make sure they don't die. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. they were entertainment. You know, that's exactly. not it that doesn't no. really work. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I do. I, I like that 100 percent better. We're going to go with that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. cool. And that's why I like uh, the, the spitting ideas off of each other, because we come up with uh, better choices. There's a whole podcast off spinning gold, Hollywood. Yeah, seriously. Pretty much. Damn it. Uh, for the. For the jock that I got here, um, I had a little bit of trouble with the funny for Andrew Clark, the jock uh, for Kevin Smith's thing. I went with an actor that just always comes off as kind of a dense jock bro dude. 
Um, the, but I actually is a pretty good actor is Lucas Till who played Havoc in X-Men First Class mm. and I believe he was also played uh, MacGyver in the yeah. the reboot that yeah. I never bothered to watch because fuck that you don't remake MacGyver he was also in that really shitty movie where the dude had a tr- had like that weird flubber alien thing and like a truck I don't know it came out like three years ago oh monster trucks yeah oh I never bothered I saw the yeah. trailer he and was it- in that too okay yeah. well so he needs some help <laughs> he had like three good movies Yep. And they were all involved with the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's give him uh the, the Kevin Smith jock role for uh for Breakfast Club. For my serious, I actually dug into um a character that we were talking about before we recorded. I went into the Flash universe for the jock here and got uh Franz uh Franz uh Dreme, I think is the last name, who is the college or the high school athlete that turns into one half of Firestorm. Oh, Nice. So I figured I also went with a a black actor as the athlete. And oh wait, so we do we just like fall into our own like our own rhythm? Yeah, right. (laughs) Wait, we went. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. But for for a lot of the same reasons that I was talking about with your yours is that like I wanted it to be that it's not so much that people are appreciating him for who he is as a person. It's this feeling of like they appreciate what he can do, which is definitely what Emilio Estevez was bringing to the table. But you had the additional value of like it being, let's say, a predominantly white school mm-hmm. and him being like the the star athlete who's like one of the black kids. And it's just nobody can really like get him on a personal level. He's just this like this like token. Yeah, <laughs> that, it's just hey, hey, we got we got we got the uh, quarterback to come out to the party. Yay! you know, it's not really about him as a person. Fair enough. And, okay. Yeah. And okay. I, I think that actor definitely does a lot of like facial work with uh, like his expressions work really well to uh, to show his feelings on a situation. He can do mm. angsty pretty well. Yeah. No, so, he can. He yeah. can. I, I agree with that. So and you need angsty in a uh, Breakfast Club reboot. Oh, yeah. Sure. And that's why I think John Viega could crush that, too. Oh, yeah. John Viega is a, a really good actor. If you haven't seen Attack the Block. Well, if you haven't seen Detroit. Or Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, All right. Um, who you got next on your list? Next on my list um, is Claire. Claire, okay. So for my, well, I guess we're gonna do this, the funny first. Um, and this 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 one was kind of hard for me to pick, like a one that would actually be funny. It more goes to like just the uh, more on the age side of it because you know she's a little older. But um, Emma Stone, I was just kind of for Claire's character, I was kind of just throwing in like a. On the funny one, I was kind of just throwing in a, a young female actress kind of thing. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, but for my serious, I did go with um, Emma Watson. Okay. I think she could actually pull off the, um, A, the look. I mean. Oh, sure. She wanted to like mimic Molly Ringwald's look. Just yeah. Just updated a bit. She could knock that out of the freaking park. Sure. You know? And um, so... For th- for this one, she's like all prim and proper, right? She's still like the, you know, perfect queen, you know, sure, a little sushi for lunch or whatever. But she is actually the victim of cyberbullying. People make fun of her because of that. Because in today's society, oh, that is not okay. that is not like what makes you the queen bee anymore. Sure. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's not what that's not how it works today, right? So she's actually the one that's the victim of. She's actually being bullied constantly through all social media for when she tries to post cute pics and make you know and all the and selfies and stuff so like she's that probably popular uh like got a lot of followers on instagram and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah, but yeah, within yeah. the school she's this vapid exactly like, okay i got gotcha. you exactly 
Because the nerds have taken over. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Which is going to come up later in okay. other casting choices. All right. Fair enough. But no, um, yeah, um, I felt like that was a good turn on that. Like, you know, the, the the character that would be seen as, like, one of the most popular in school is now actually the one that's having to deal with the ultimate thing is bullying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm kind of in touch with school with having a teenager, so I know what's, like, relevant and what kids look at as far as what's what's really the big deal now sure right and apparently it's flossing um <laughs> yeah. from Fortnite. that's yeah, uh that's <laughs> that's that's what's really important nowadays but um no like you know yeah you could have all these you know your twitter you know your twitter account's blown up and you got all the followers on the tweets and then you got your instagram followers <laughs> you and- sounded like such an old man you got all the followers on the tweets i don't do twitter man that's just <laughs> it's like the one it's like the one i don't do how do i twit how do, that's not grandpa. That's not what that's not. I was trying to called. mimic Dennis Leary. He had a commercial a couple of years ago where he said your uh, facey spaces and your Tweety pages. <laughs> okay. And I was like, that's hilarious. That's nice. <laughs> nice. And it's Dennis Leary. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But um, so who who do you have for Claire? For Claire, uh, for my funny, my Kevin Smith, I wanted um, I, I kind of made an assumption that he would definitely cast this actress, this young actress in it because it's the young, young preppy girl. And, uh, he's done it before, uh, Harley Quinn Smith. Yeah. 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 I thought you were going to go with that or Johnny Depp's daughter. One of the two. No, no. Yeah. Happen. No. Uh, I figured he would definitely cast his own daughter in a breakfast club reboot and say, no, well, no, like he's done with his wife. I was like, Oh, it's the best actress for the job. Sure, it was. Yeah, it's fine. And I don't begrudge. You know, that shit happens. Um, I mean, that's why Joan Cusack and John Cusack are a bunch of movies together is that, you know, family dumb that comes into Hollywood. So fuck it. You know, I can't mm-hmm. give him too much shit about it. Um, and for my serious, I wanted an actress that could definitely play like self-important and cold and somebody that kills it on the uh, American Horror Story series, Emma Roberts. Oh, yeah. The, the blonde and that's in all the series. And yeah. she, she can definitely play the like self-important bitchy kind of character. And I want at least at first, I want that major arc of the characters coming off as these pretty shitty people. And yeah. as they start to really understand just how much everybody else goes through, too, it softens them. Yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, with with, so, with the name so far, you got John Boyega. He's going to still going to come across as a guy who's the shit at first. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I got everything over, man. Like, blah, blah. You can't touch me. And then you've got, you know, you've got the Claire character who, again, she's got all these followers and she keeps taking selfies at the beginning, like and posting all these things like, oh, I just got five likes. Yada, yada, yada. And then down, deep down, you realize that inside the people that are like her peers. Oh yeah. Yeah. You get, you just getting fucked with the entire, the entire all the time. time. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like there needs to be that arc still. Sure. Right? Cause everyone gets introduced as their, uh, as, as the, as the illusion that they are. Yeah. In the original one. So we got to keep that going. Right. There's Absolutely. an illusion to everybody. Right. Yeah. That, that, that gets broken down throughout the movie. And so, yeah, I, I want somebody that is going to be kind of embarrassed at the realization of, that the people around her that she's been poo-pooing this whole time are actually like, honestly better than her, <laughs> like have more happening. <laughs> that one moment in the original breakfast club where they're talking about things they can do and stuff like I can make spaghetti. And then it gets to Claire and she's like, I can't do anything. And it was something that she learned to do by putting lipstick on with her tits in, uh, in like camp in seventh grade. And that's like her one talent. <clears throat> and I really wanted to utilize that scene as a means of kind of her feeling embarrassed that she really isn't good at anything. Is that she's pretty and her family is well off. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. That's all she's got. 
is and she knows which Instagram filter to use um, when taking pictures and realizing that because of the uh, the social media like pampering that she's gotten from being a pretty girl on the Internet, uh, she's never actually gone out and done anything. And by being around these other people that have because of the necessity, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a wake up call like, oh, shit, (laughs) I'm way behind the eight ball here. Yeah. 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 Mm hmm. So, yeah. Uh, What's your next one you got? Next one I've got is Claire Standish. I mean, I'm sorry, Allison Reynolds. We already Allison Reynolds. Allison Reynolds. So um, that is the freak that was played by uh, uh, Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy. Yeah. 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 I know it's Ali. What's the last name? Yeah. Ali Sheedy. Um, Who's amazing. I love her as an actress. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> had nothing to do with the fact that I have an ex that looked like her from war games, but um, you did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're just connecting that. aren't you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> now I did have, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I had trouble kind of finding um, one that I thought really fit that for the funny. So I just kind of picked a popular actress. I yeah. put a lot of, I put a lot, I put a lot of thought into the serious casting that I want for this. Sure. So sometimes with the, with the other one, like, Especially when it comes to young actors, the pool's not that deep. It's more, it is slightly wide, but it's not like you've got a lot to deep reach down and pull from. Okay. So I picked Chloe Grace Moritz, who I I actually marked her out. That was my initial thought for one of them. Yeah. But. So she's she's my funny pick. And again, all these actors doing a film with Wes Anderson. Just think about that. All these actors that have never done a movie that has been that artsy and off the wall and off and on off the on the left as a Wes Anderson movie. I all think these. she especially could nail it. She could. Yes, yeah. she could. I, I think she's shown to... her chops. Oh, absolutely. She's shown her chops. Yep. Um, for my series for Alison Reynolds, I picked Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. I, I, I've, I mean, she, I, throughout her career, have seen her do multi-faceted characters. I mean, you go back to Silver Lines Playbook. She played a woman who was, was dealing broken. Is broken. Yeah. You know, um, and um, you know, I kind of want to. I, I, I want to. Shorter hair, like I kind of want to keep some of the things I like where the hair is like in the face. Like she is kind of um, uh, uh, introvert, is sure. what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, but we agreed on something, and I, I really wanted to save it until the episode before we talked about it. That will be the LGBTQ at character, okay, esque character. You know what I mean? Like where they're just we're not gonna. I think it's wise not to try to have it figured out in this movie. Absolutely. Like you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I, so I mean, Hobbit will go into his as well. Um, but like just, I, I, we were, we were, we really on the same page with that. Yeah. Like I think having her figure it, having them figure it out in the process of figuring it out. And it's okay to not have the answer. That's exactly. really what I wanted to get across yeah. is that these are fucking kids. They're still figuring this shit out and it's okay. There's no rush. Mm-hmm. Like you should be allowed to, say i don't know you should be allowed to i that can be the final answer is i don't know if, mm-hmm. you, if you really don't you the whole like having to have the answer to who you are what you believe in all that stuff i don't know is sometimes okay mm-hmm. so yep and that's so that's that's pretty much where i am with that yeah hell yeah I, I yeah we're definitely firing on a lot of the same cylinders here for uh allison reynolds for my freak uh character quote unquote uh b- AKA the most interesting character in the entire sh- uh, movie. I, actually, yeah. Yeah. 
For Kevin Smith, I really wanted to see what he would do with Sadie Sink, who played Mad Max in season two of Stranger Things. Ooh. Well, how how old is she? She's she's like she's in her like mid teens. Okay. So okay. she would be a high school level. Like okay. she'd actually be playing. Well, I know around some of them. Age. The ages range a lot on Stranger Things. So yeah. That's why I didn't know what her age was. Yeah. Well, and I also made sure that there's definitely like younger and older teen actors and actresses in this because I wanted it to be not that all of them are seniors, you know, like I wanted a little bit of more age differentiation there as well. So um, Sadie Sink just being kind of not far off from the kind of character that she well, She actually was a little bit more bender in in uh, Stranger Things. Things. I was going to say, but I wanted her a little bit more kind of out of sorts as that character um, and, and as Allison, but with a little bit more anger behind the character than w- the original had, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit more like seething mm-hmm. happening uh, for my serious. I went with a fantastic actress. And again, like your serious as well. This is the um, character that's figuring out who they are as a person down, down to the fundamental levels of like sexuality, sex, everything like uh, attraction, everything. It's a lot too. a lot. That's why you don't need to figure it out. It's a and lot. So I needed an actress that was, you know, relatively young, but still was able to had enough chops from what I've seen them in. They could really nail that down. And I also, along with the jock character being kind of in a you know predominantly white school and dealing with that aspect as well, being a black actress portraying the role. So dealing with, being black, then dealing with being like non non binary or, mm. or maybe binary, not or not, you know, not sure, figuring that out, and so people assuming that she's gay or you know assuming that she's a girl or you know or that mm-hmm. they, I guess, I'm sorry, um, that that's kind of what I want the character to portray is just feeling lost and nobody else really knowing how to even deal with that because of just ignorance and yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly uh, and Zendaya. Um, I thought would be a good casting choice. She was in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. She was in The the Greatest Showman as well. Uh, she's been in a few other things. Who was she in The Greatest Showman? I don't know. I haven't seen The Greatest Showman. I just seen It's a great movie. You should watch it. I've, I've heard it's good. But she knocked it out of the park as what turned out to be MJ. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at the end of it. Oh, and, and she's got a big role in the new Far From Home. Ooh. And I think Ooh. part of the reason why I thought about Zendaya is that there's a little bit of Ali Sheedy in her character in Homecoming as the like oh yeah totally yeah, yeah. I didn't even put that together yeah the, she she's just there she's, she's always just, just kind of there yeah. yeah fuck man yeah good that's fuck yeah that's awesome yeah so I yes. she's already kind of like portrayed being able to do that and being like the weird artsy kid that's like doing drawings and just kind of a little bizarre and <laughs> yeah but still like incredibly interesting and mm-hmm. I really wanted to push that now I am putting down my fucking foot on this one on both the funny and the serious is that I never liked the uh that Allison dressed up in a pink dress and put her hair back and suddenly Jock is like I'm gonna make out with you now because you're not a goth kid I always thought that was like complete bullshit oh, it's like put oh, the makeup on and yeah. all of a sudden like yeah yeah and they put the somehow they change your clothes they changed yeah, they, somebody just had a pink dress laying around <laughs> it's like, it's like oh yeah I, I keep a closet in the library for just these <laughs> kinds of occasions like pulls a book and the bookcase opens up and there's just a bunch of different colored dresses behind it you know mm-hmm. no uh, i i did not want that i wanted it more to be that you know if there is any romanticism between this character and anyone else um, that it is the other person learning to appreciate uh, this character for who they are, not them coming out of their shells enough to wear pink 
I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think like you having to change yourself so other people can like you is the right message. No, and they really did. They, I mean, that's really what they drove home. Yeah. In the original. Yeah. That's what was driven home, right? You need to not be yourself, right? Yeah. What if, what if she was comfortable in her trench coat in the original one? And like, you know yeah. what I mean? Making her weird pixie stick Cheeto chip sandwich. Oh my God, that like, horrifying sandwich. <laughs> or whatever. I, I mean, I've been high enough. I would eat that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Zendaya for my serious friend. Nice. I, I really dig that. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so that leaves, uh, we got two left. One of the kids and another main character who actually does have some. Well, we haven't done B- Bender the Bully or uh, Brian Johnson the Nerd. Oh, yeah, we got Bender and Brian. That's right. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so I'm going to go with Bender. On this one. Okay. And for the Bender, funny one, I picked, um, what is his, uh, Will Poulter, I guess I can pronounce it. Poit, P-O-U-L-T-R. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Poulter, maybe. Poulter. Yeah. He was, um, he, he was in, well, he was in like Maze Runner, but he was also in, uh, Bandersnatch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, was yeah. the other, the other kid. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, just cause like, I think he would just look ridiculous all like toughed up and like, you know, Trying to look all hardcore. Sure. Like, you just look ridiculous. Um, uh, just so, again, funny casting. So, um, but the serious one, though, I picked Ezra Miller for that character. Okay. He has grow. He has been known to grow his hair out. So, I feel like you put him with long hair, you give him the, kind of give him a little bit, like, I, not maybe not as, like, punk-esque as sure judd nelson's character was in that one because that that was that time period it is like his his fashion would have to mimic the youth of today's angst fashion like whatever that is because let's face it bender in the in 85 was mimicking the angst of that oh sure yeah you know what i mean um so but 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 his overall thing is he would still be like the kid who's not whose family's not rich right sure he would still be the kid whose family is um, dismissive, or even they aren't dismissive, they are just belittling and the crap out of him. Sure, pop a couple pops to the face, you know that kind of thing. And his thing, we talked about adju- the adjustments of, of children and how like certain ch- children deal with teens deal with certain things like anxiety, so on and so forth. Um, he would have that from dealing with that kind of thing, but he would be an actual. Um, not exaggerated, but he would be the aggression we saw in the original Bender. Maybe not so much as the sarcasm that comes with it, it's just being like a talking back smartass. But I want, I, I think Ezra Miller could do literally to the point of possible psychotic break anger. Yeah. From dealing with the things he had to deal with. And we are definitely vibing on the same level it's almost like we've done a bunch of podcasting together and come up with this kind of shit yeah um because yeah i definitely uh wanted to kind of really focus on what makes a person a bully and a lot of it is like a a really horrible self-image or mental issues that are not being properly dealt with Mm -hmm. everybody's got stuff but if you deal with it properly then you're going to have a much healthier life if you Mm -hmm. let it let's say you come from a family that's not even going to give you the opportunity to go see somebody or get it checked out or they're not even going to notice. Then you're just going to, it's going to get worse. You're going to have bad coping mechanisms like he did. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think 
uh, mental health is definitely a major conversation for for mm-hmm. my characters. So that is the mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. We were just on like a complete uh, yeah. like holy crap. <laughs> I mean, the complete same page with a lot of the stuff. The actors might be different, but like the what we want from the character is a sure lot, is a lot of the same. I like I like that. You know. Um. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my benders. Okay. My benders, I uh, went. I did a little bit of a curveball on Kevin Smith, but I really like this actor, and I think it would be interesting to see what this actor would do with a more in-your-face role, which is a little bit different than some of the other roles that he's had. Um, the actor is Ansel, Ansel Elcourt, and if you're unfamiliar, he plays Gus in The Fault in Our Stars, plays Caleb, the brother, in Divergent, and what you may mostly know him for, know him for is Baby in Baby Driver. Oh, yeah, that guy. That guy. Yeah. Definitely subtler roles, not quite as bombastic as uh, you would normally expect from a, a bender. But there's a nuance to, there's a subtleness to way, the way he portrays the characters that he's portrayed previously that I think giving this actor the room to really get a little bigger mm-hmm. with the character, I'm interested to see, and especially... I'm not looking so much as a bully in the sense of like beats up people on a regular basis that the jock is the person that beat up people in, in the original breakfast club. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of loud talk. So a scrawny dude that just shit talks and hates everybody, um, I think is definitely more the role mm-hmm. um, at, with some mental health stuff as well. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think that's more kind of what I'm approaching with the bully because okay. it doesn't have to be the big beefy bro. No, dude exactly. anymore. Yeah. That's always why I picked as a Miller is like, he is a, Normally, he walks around as like a smaller, like a, like a, a thinner, slimmer person, right? Yeah. That's what he walks around as. We're on the same page with that. We don't, you don't need to be like, because Judd Nelson's character was kind of the taller one yep. out of the group and a little just larger. And right? he kind of, he puffed out chests at the jock yeah. at the beginning. And, exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah. But that's, that's my uh, Kevin Smith, actually, uh, for that wow. one. That was, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But the frame works. Like, I like that idea. Um, I'm going a little bit deeper and a little darker um, with my casting for the Gus Van Sant, uh, an actor by the name of uh, Greg Sulkin. And if you're unfamiliar, uh, he's mostly known for playing the character Chase in Runaways. I have not watched that. Yet. Runaways is a great little show. It's based on a series of comics that was written by Brian K. Vaughn, I believe, was mm-hmm. the, the creator of the series. But there's been multiple writers on it, including Joss Whedon, that did a run for a little bit. And the character that he portrays, Chase, is he's got an abusive father. Um, he deals with a lot of like not living up to the expectations of his parents kind of thing where he's kind of a jockey type, but his parents are scientists that are kind of pissed at him for being the jockey type, even though he's got a really good mind about him, Mm -hmm. kind of a flip flop there. And he develops these like gloves that like shoot like electric charges out of them. And, uh, and he ends up kind of like falling for the like awkward feminist chick. And it's, it's a really adorable show, but a great actor. He does a great job and he looks very much like the, like a bratty high school kid. Um, mm. And I really wanted to use that and playing with the mental health thing as well. And the, <clears throat> this is really where I'm going to drive home the effect that parents and their uh, poor decisions have on their kids is that him being the bully in this school where everybody's really trying to be more open-minded about diversity for the most part. And then there's people that are just not doing it right. This is the alt-right kid. Mm. The bully is a kid that like just, you know, refuses to call um, people by, you know, he dead names people. He 
says inappropriate racial remarks to like non-white kids like mm-hmm. he's, he he doesn't go out and say that he's racist but he does all the all right things where he just dances around it mm-hmm. constantly so and, you tacked on mental health and like and yo. and return to like like backwards thinking yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. okay yeah yeah and yeah. what i also thought would be interesting is that with uh, my casting for uh claire emma roberts is this like straight up like european looking blonde chick so he he as the bully type is definitely going to have a crush on the the popular girl mm-hmm. that is vapid and tries to kind of almost pull her over to his side of thinking and she's like no that's stupid like even in her vapid attitude about things that would be the one break for her it's just like no, I'm not going to be racist just because they're mean to me. Like that's that doesn't even make sense, you know. Where that's not even a consideration mm-hmm. um, because it's that it, she doesn't have the mentality to do that. He was raised in that kind of mentality, uh, so that's just immediately what he jumps to. Well, it's because you know black people and her. That's not even what, what does that have to do with it? You know, where God, no, I, I'm I'm just I'm just playing it through my head. That's a good little turn there. So that would be kind of yeah. how he gets p- pulled into. Th- maybe second guessing his beliefs a bit is that here's this woman that could easily be part of the alt right, you know, just mm-hmm. that it, she's like the, the fucking Aryan perfect Aryan woman, the uh, Aryan yeah. wet dream, yeah, you know, exactly. that, the Aryan wet dream. yeah. And, uh, and her, that wasn't even a consideration to consider race or sex or anything like in, in their conflicts that they've had during this Saturday school. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives him a second, a pause Mm -hmm. to consider, well, then why am I thinking that it's because of this, Mm -hmm. that other people, that's not even a thought in their head. Um, So, yeah, I definitely want to kind of pull that in as well, because you see that all around, especially certain schools, different parts of the country where there's a big clash between kids and the ideologies of their parents being pulled in. Or the ideologies of people that they talk to online or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like basically influence from outside for somebody who is a sponge and they're kind of just like latching on to something yep. like, oh, no, this makes sense. And they and because the true person will always make the argument to make what they how they feel and what they believe. Right. right? Yep. So when somebody lat- starts reading that and they're like, oh, no. Oh, OK. And they just like, Zoop, there yep. you go. Like, no, dude, stop it. Now, it's going to be like mild levels of alt right, like not fully yeah, not on it. This is an American right. history X. Like, this is. <laughs> yeah, like, we're, not, <laughs> we're not doing some Edward Norton, you know. We're not going to okay. have like Avery Brooks pulling him into, into a room. like, we're having a new high, uh, history class. It's called American History X. And he's like, ah, damn it. Well, yeah, they're not, not. They're not dragging them out of the school and having them bite the curb. Okay. That's no. not happening. <laughs> but he's just going to have these really appalling ideas and is does the thing where he's just talking louder makes him think he's right kind of a, a attitude and yeah just kind of go that route. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. All right, so for the students that leaves us with, with Brian just, Johnson. Just the nerd. It's John, Brian Johnson. So for my Wes Anderson one um this could this was like actually a pretty close for my serious for my serious one with Edgar Wright, but um Nicholas Holt. Okay. I think he would do a good he would do good for that. Um because it's kinda like, you know, he well, he played fucking beast for Christ's sake. So yeah. yeah that, there's that. And he he likes it shiny and chrome too, apparently. Um but uh for the Edgar Wright one, I had to go with Tom Holland. On that, I I put Tom Holland in initially as my uh, Andrew the Jock, and I just it didn't seem to fit right. So see, I picked Tom Holland because 
We're going to get a little bit, obvious, I think, of the Peter Parker where... Because Brian's character is quiet, right? Yeah, very quiet. So, but he is not as quiet now because of his nerddom. Because now... Okay. In today's society... Okay. He's more open because, I mean, he's, he's a nerd. He's into... You know, gaming, he's into all, you know, that the big, you know, I mean, comics are a, a nerd thing now, but it's more like you're, you're, you're playing online with your friends. Gaming's huge into that, right? You know, sure. like, you know, and, um, uh, uh, board games have come back in, you know, those kind of things, like things that were certain nerds when we were kids that mm-hmm. you get made fun of for. You're like in the, in the click now, apparently, if you do that stuff. Sure. Fucking grew up in the wrong time period. Damn it. <laughs> right. Anyway, when we're so, hiding the fact we're nerds, like, but that's yeah. not why he's he still is a timid person, right? He's timid, not well, not timid. He's he's more quiet and to himself because he's angry at everyone's acceptance of everything because he is the alt right character. Oh yeah. Oh, so he's he's a little uh, little keyboard troll. Yeah, he's he's a little just perturbed at everyone's like openness to the fact that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Kind of thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Where there's just the black and white of it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but like that, yeah, there's right and then there's wrong and there's yeah. no gray area. And now he's sitting in there with somebody who doesn't know their sexuality and and, and a black dude who is the jock number one jock of the school. And even yeah. though he's... Yep. similar. Yeah, kinda, exactly. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> but no, I just, I, I wanted to do it some sort of twist where that sure. character wasn't just so, not only, because the original one... Like, I just felt, I always, I always ended up just feeling ultimately just so bad for that character. Not only was he not popular by the that, that standard in the 80s, right? He also was just had the shit kicked out of him mentally by his parents to just be, get, be the best, get the mm-hmm. good grades and all that pressure. Like, the kid had no fucking break. This kid's got a break, and he just chooses to have a shit attitude and, and a belief structure about how people should be. Sure. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of want to just give him a little bit of breathing room as far as the high school part goes. As far as like how he fits in, right? But the reason now he doesn't fit in is because he's just got a shit view of things, and it, that's strictly on him. It's not somebody else doing it. He just has a shit view of things because he's allowed. He hasn't had a somebody to tell him that's wrong, and b realize that the people that are in his life that are telling him that's that's that this is wrong in society to fuck off. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah, we're we're definitely kind of feeling similar yeah. stuffs. Yeah. <laughs> And that comes out, and like all, and that doesn't come out in the movie until the crescendo scene where they start, where they, everyone kind of digs in. Like he's, because in the, in the original one, Brian's quiet for a good chunk of the time. He tries to talk, he gets shut out by every other, pretty much every character. Yep. But then the crescendo of the movie, or the, uh, what do they call it, the denouement? Oh, where he covers, covers his face, is like, do you know why I'm in here? Do yeah. you? Yeah, except now it's going to be like talking, he'll be like strictly looking at like, two of the people because the other two he doesn't like and then it'll come out and he he might drop a couple different slurs maybe not the hard ones because we are going to keep it kind of light but like definitely some angst towards the jock character and some angst towards the lgbtq character okay. and then they're gonna to have to hash that out you know what i'm saying that yeah kind of yeah thing. yeah yeah okay um i made some choices <laughs> said, i've made some choices um, yeah, I definitely wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit on both of these characters as instead of being just the geeky, awkward white dude with glasses, do something a little bit different. And so I went two different directions with it on my Kevin Smith one. I went with, uh, Amanda St- uh, Stenberg and you may know her best as Rue from hunger games. She's also, and, and she's older now, clearly, mm-hmm. you know, that was uh, some years ago. There's a movie com- 
uh, that I think is in theaters now called Darkest Minds, where it's about kids that have like superpowers, basically. And, you know, the adults are kind of weary of them and trying to like keep them in control. And the kids are like, nah, nah, bruh. Oh, is it in theaters now? I remember the trailer for that. And then I like, it, like lost. It's like... either in theaters or just left theaters. But I think okay. it just came out recently, I believe. Okay. And uh, and she's the main character in that. And oh. uh, just from the trailers that I've seen and everything, it's like she's coming into her own as an actress. And I think playing a very studious, uh, quiet um young woman just trying to get through and just feeling awkward and, and not really knowing her place in the world. There doesn't need to be any additional baggage for somebody to feel. And that's what I wanted to kind of drive home with the Kevin Smith side of things. It's like some kind, sometimes kids are just sad. Sometimes kids feel out of place. Sometimes kids don't know what to do with their feelings. Maybe that maybe it's that they weren't given the right tools growing up. And maybe it's just, it's actually a depressive thing that requires counseling and possibly medication. You know, there could be so many other, so many different reasons why somebody's in a bad place. Yeah. And because yeah. this character, I really wanted to bring home the, like we said at the beginning of the episode, the gun thing mm-hmm. that I want to keep it more ambiguous as to what the gun's going to be used for, you know, whether it's for themselves or whether it's for somebody else and leaving it flare guns. Fine. I like that. That cell at the end where it turned out to be a flare gun, but, um, but I want it to be that the gun is with them at the Saturday school. Yeah, because they wouldn't they wouldn't oh, be there. Oh, so it, it's ambiguous as to how this day could have ended if the kids didn't get together and actually like talk it out and talk to each other. Oh. And that ama- amazing moment at the end, this huge twist to it that at the end, it's like, fuck they could have died or we could have died if we didn't actually break it down and actually start fucking talking to oh, each dude, other. Okay, so we, like everything that we've talked about <laughs> needs to just congeal together because like I didn't think about keeping the gun in with my character, but like him having to come to terms with now being forced to communicate with things that he doesn't agree with, like at least with my, you know, yeah. my, my um, Brian, like... Yes, like because that would be such oh a my huge, God. such a huge moment of the realization of these kids where he just like, and that could be the flare gun cell point. And it was like, you know, I just leave it ambiguous as to why. But like maybe the scene where they're dumping out the backpacks and they're talking about, well, I take, you know, this pill. I take this pill. And they're mm-hmm. joking about it. Um, and everybody's on meds. Um, he just kind of digs through his bag and pulls out his medication or, or well, the he and the serious uh, my she in the in the uh, Kevin Smith yeah, version. My, yeah. my serious. I wanted to go with a younger actor. Um, to play the part of like a kid that's like way too smart for anybody to really connect with him and like went into school early and has a lot of pressure from parents and that just the overwhelming nature of feeling so completely out of the, out of the loop because being a younger kid, not knowing what to do to oh, I like interact. that take. Just the Doogie hauser Yeah, kind of, kind of the Doogie Hauser thing. Yeah. Uh, I went with uh, Philip Zhao, who was the youngest member of the, the High Five uh, crew in Ready Player One. Oh, Daishu or whatever his yeah, name was. Yeah, yeah. The, like, yeah, yeah. He was like 13 or 11 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So he would be a couple years older. So it would be like early teens going in with these kids that are 15, 16 and him being just a, a couple years younger. Not that much. Younger, enough, though. Enough. Yeah. And having that moment of like that, you know, he took his dad's gun to school and it turns out to be a flare gun. And that's like the, you know, after the moment like clicks in where they everyone realizes the seriousness of like what everybody's going through and how much an effect it can be to just actually fucking talk to each other. Yeah. 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 Is yeah when, no, totally. Is oh then God. when it's I'm beautiful. thinking Claire <laughs> looks down, it's like, this is a flare gun. 
and this moment of like the kids laughing and then then the uh the nerd on both sides realizing it's not laughing at so much as just laughing at the because it's a tension break it's like oh <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it breaks this really like intense like scary sad moment breaks that tension and realize it's not directed to him for once that he's in on the joke too and it's it's all something that they can come together and all like That's laugh an about awesome take on that i didn't because like i guess i didn't think about keeping the the reason he was in there was for the gun yeah you know what i mean so well, I it wouldn't it would have to be that would have to be in there for something else well, something else. But I didn't think I didn't I didn't think about keeping the the that fact it was a flare gun in this. Yeah. So that that's that's I like that. And it's enough of a twist. It's still carrying the spirit of the character, but it's enough of a twist that all the fans that are of, of the classic would go in there expecting that scene and be like, oh, no, it's there. Like it mm-hmm. was in for another reason. The gun is there. It could have been. Yeah. For, no, I, I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Damn. We're making, like I said, gold here. Absolutely, fucking gold, man. Absolutely. Between every, between, between what we've come up with, there is like a movie here. Oh, absolutely. Like, seriously, yeah. there is there is something here. Um, so that basically leads us down to Carl. Yep, the janitor. So for my my Wes Anderson one, um, it was an easy pick. Um, I already picked I picked Bill Murray for Vernon. They have a rapport. I picked Jason Schwartzman. Nice. Now he's older, so it'd be like a tie-in. If you're a Wes Anderson fan, be a tie-in to Rushmore. Mm-hmm. You know, but now Jason Schwartzman's a lot older, so now it would just work as like him being the older janitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think he's almost forty now. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah. Um, and for the Edgar Wright one, because it's Edgar Wright, I picked Paul Rudd. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Hell because yeah. he 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 only had like two and a half scenes, basically, if you want to count that last little chunk one. But the main scene where he's just like. I think through your track, like I could just imagine Paul Rudd just ranting about that, and also Paul Rudd finding Idris Elba looking through a file in the file yep. cabinet, sneaking through someone's personal files. Like it would be hilarious. I uh, th- this would be this isn't who I decided to settle on, but this would be my Jay Baruchel role oh, for God, this. Is would be the the janitor. I think he would have some fun with it, but with it being a Kevin Smith joint. I figured no better than one Jason Muse, yeah, yeah. janitor, yeah. which he's already played a janitor in a high school in Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, mm-hmm. the Canadian uh, series that if you haven't seen it, it's I don't awesome. even know what's on, what it's on anymore. I don't think it's streaming anything right now, I th- actually. I'd say if you really like, uh, if you ever saw that movie Deathgasm about like a, yeah. a metal band that brings demons out by playing an ancient passage on guitar, oh, it's, it's it so has good. very much that kind of like goofy feel. Just buy Todd in the Book of Pure Evil on, on Blu-ray or DVD because it's worth it. I'll uh, I'll put a link in the notes uh, for the show. It's well worth it. And Jason Mewes has a cameo as the janitor that smokes lots of weed. So basically what have, what have done if he didn't become friends with Kevin Smith? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And for my serious role, I love doing this kind of thing taking an actor from the original and putting them in a different role. So Judd Nelson as the janitor. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I had thought about that. You put one little line as they're, um, as they're leaving Saturday school at the end, something about like, yeah, I remember when I was your age and I got stuck in Saturday school. Uh, yeah. And, and just like some kind of breakfast club. No, not to that. No, 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 but, no. but you do it almost like a question to the crowd. I was like, so wait, is this a sequel? Is this like, 
the Breakfast Club now versus yeah, yeah. Like, that happened. So in now the it's same... a thing at that school where, like, you know, it's kind of like Dead Poets Society where, you, like, they find the book of the other Dead Poets yeah, Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of like just this. So it's just thing this one little line that makes it open to the the possibility that that is in this universe that that original Breakfast Club. This isn't a remake so much as a yeah, most continuation. I thought about I thought about that, um, but I just didn't go with it. Uh, but I, I do, I do really enjoy that in a movie. Yeah, I do enjoy just that like little tie-in to things that'll just do. a little vague. You it's know? not even making a real statement. It's just kind of there. Yeah, yeah, I, I do enjoy that. All right, we've uh, we're right at the tail end now. So, like, uh, do you have any mashup ideas for Breakfast Club? Um, no, no. I went into this pretty much wanting to modernize it because I, I I view for I viewed it as it was for me, and it was an important movie at the time of my life when I watched it. So sure. I didn't really, I didn't really go into it thinking about mixing it with anything i was just like no this is i want to do a modern version of this movie okay. i think the youth of today needs because they don't have a movie like that not really no no we had a ton of them <laughs> we had everything from saved by the bell yeah to uh <laughs> to the breakfast club to i mean any of the, <laughs> yeah. the john hughes john hughes movies yeah, yeah exactly i'm just saying we had a lot of just like ones that kind of hit home even though some of them were like uber white there's still like issues that any you know minus maybe one or two that anybody was going through i feel like maybe parents don't want to give their kids ideas um by showing kids doing debaucherous stuff and it's like you know there's this thing called the internet right there's way Way more oh yeah they're seeing some fucked up shit on the internet um the only thing that i um really want to one thing i want to keep uh true is the song Oh, okay, and yeah, uh, are you doing the original or? Well, no. Um, so I found a artist. Uh, his name is Willis Earl Beale, um, and he does a cover of this song. It's strictly him in the, on a piano, and that's all it is. So it's a little more morose. Okay, you know, it takes away the '80s pop kind of. Because even though the song has like a, it's all in minor keys, right? It still mm-hmm. has like kind of like a upbeat, upbeat feel. No, yeah. this is just because like. My vision for the end, my vision for the end was like when they all like leave to get picked up. Yeah. Um. Instead of having the Judd Nelson like fist in the air thing, they go back through whatever carnage was wreaked through the library that day. Like okay, because like in the original one, and as the, when they, they fuck around and they and they do cause some damage to things, right? Yeah. Right. That apparently would give them Saturday school for the rest of their fucking life in high school. <laughs> like falling through the ceiling <laughs> is not something that just gets run, swept under the rug. Right. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, so like I think I just think like the montage for an ending would be like just seeing going kind of like almost like doing the John Carpenter thing with Halloween where you go to the scenes of the movie with that song playing and like in the idea that none of them will forget what they learned that day. Sure. Thing, OK. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I got you. Yeah. Hell yeah. So. Um, I definitely want to keep um, if there is romance just between um, the bully and the prep on both ends. And even that, maybe not even go into the diamond earring thing. I feel like that's a little bit much. Mm. Um, I think a little more nuance is probably a better way to go. The jock freak connection always just didn't set with me right. It seemed almost like a kind of a, a weird decision at the end to throw that together, too. So it's like literally the only person that's not scoring at this point is the nerd. And I'm like, I mean, I do get at that time period, like the jock going with that, with the nerd versus the like, I get the the Pris going with the with the bad boy. Yeah, I totally get sure. that. Sure. Yeah. That's like a tale as old as time. Right. Yeah. But I get the jock going with the non-standard like what 
he should be attracted to thing. Like the jock should be with the prep girl, right? Yeah. I get that at that time period why that I feel like that was a decision that was made. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've, you see it in other things if you kind of compare it to what else came out around around that. Well, I mean, it's very much the, what is it? She's all that. Yeah. I mean, that's the entire premise of that movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like they that's a nice dress movie. up the nerdy, nerdy girl um, to look pretty. And then all of a sudden the, the popular kid, you know, likes her. Any, any movie that's got a nerdy girl that, I mean, not another team movie made fun of that. Yep. <laughs> hard with for those of you who don't know the sister uh, um um that is now the sister of supergirl on the cw supergirl that is the same actress is that the same actress from another team movie yeah. oh shit it's been so long since i've the seen nerdy girl movie. from another team movie when she took her glasses off yeah. and, oh my god she's hot no she was hot before yeah yeah clearly <laughs> All right, so um, my only mashup that I could think of is with the Kevin Smith one is that Degrassi. I mean, mm. you, you just throw a uh, a uh, R and B rap singer in a wheelchair, then, uh, so he can't play basketball, and then you've got Degrassi. So, uh, which is uh, what's his fuck uh, Drake? Yeah, that was in Degrassi, mm-hmm. uh, and that he was a basketball player that got shot or something. Mm-hmm. And he's in a wheelchair, so you, just a Drake cameo, and then that's that's the mashup. It's just Drake in the basketball court. <laughs> when when Bender goes in there, he's just in there with the wheelchair, just like shooting hoops and just like waves at him. He's like, yeah, what's up, man? And then that's it. That's literally yeah. how the mashup happens. Is that, that's all. I mean, that, that's that he's cool. like the basketball coach it's, now. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing the character from Degrassi. That's awesome. Yeah. And then boom, that's that's your mashup. That's fine. All um, right. So now we're going to get to our trailers and then that's it for this uh, episode. So did you want to go first or second? I'll go second. Okay. So um, keep the music and then I'm going to do my I think I'm going to do my serious. I think that definitely want to get that. So uh, here we go. Being a kid in the world today can be tough. No sense of belonging. Less and less chance to meet up with your peers and learn about yourself and the world around you. Sometimes it's hard to find the right club to belong to until you find The Breakfast Club. This summer, John Hughes' instant 80s classic comes to life with a modern tone as Bob Odenkirk plays Principal Vernon, teaching the kids how not to be an asshole by showing him how he's an asshole. Fran, Fran Darmeth. It's uh, Andrew Clark, a jock that just wants to be understood that he's more than just muscles. Philip Zhao is a young, smart kid that feels out of place for being so much younger than his other peers. Greg Sulkin is the bully that is just trying to find his place in the world where he's not beat by his dad. Joanna Roberts is Claire Standish, a woman realizing that there's more to life than Instagram, and Zendaya trying to find her way in a world with so many questions. This summer, join the original cast member Judd Nelson as he cleans the halls of the Breakfast Club. All right. That's there was there was that there's that was a whole thing that, that was there. 
But it's again, the kid's like, I don't, don't he doesn't want his dad to hit him. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know. That was hilarious. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> it's fucking funny. <laughs> All right. So that, that was my serious. Are you doing your funny or your serious? I'm doing my funny. Oh, and uh, before that, you brought a nice little share that we might make oh, mention of. Yeah. Um. So I brought a, uh, I was at Triple Crossing this past weekend, which is a local brewery out of Richmond, Virginia. They have two locations, downtown and Fulton location. Um, it's called The Proposition. It is a... Uh, percent and it is a and you'll be surprised at this by the taste it is a double ipa really yeah because it's very drinkable and i'm not it's, normally big on the super it's hoppy double new england style ipa and it literally smells like you're drinking pineapple orange juice oh what's the ibus on that oh uh, they don't yeah sometimes it doesn't it, have the ibus on they don't there. put the ibus okay but fucking a it's good yeah i mean it's very drinkable and i'm not normally a big hop person so no, i'm telling you man i found my ipa niche like oh yeah new england styles where it's very fruit forward mm-hmm. and juicy like i'm all about that hell yeah hell yeah because i love me some fucking tr- citrus juice fuck yeah you know <clears throat> all right are you ready to do yours sure and you're doing the wes anderson right yeah all right here we go your wes anderson breakfast club remake this summer watch some peeps get together that aren't quite sure how they can cohabitate with each other. Um, and a film by Wes Anderson. His take on The Breakfast Club. Okay. That's it? I had 38 seconds, so... I was trying... I was thinking really short, and I think I took 15. <laughs> hey, that works. No, I was... <laughs> I was like, it's Wes Anderson... And I'm trying. I was trying to think of his previous trailers, and some were a little more in depth, but like they're very like kind of abrupt. Uh, originally, one thing I was thinking of doing is that letter that they read at the end, at the beginning and the end of Breakfast Club. Actually, I was thinking of just taking that and then changing what they're referred to as. Mm-hmm. Of like instead of the the jock, it'd be like the meathead or you know the the nerd, the the young kid, you know, do that thing. But then when we went to the freak, and it's this person that's trying to understand their gender identity or their non-binary nature like the gay with like a hard question at the end and i was like that's not no that's not that's no no that would that would that would not maybe (laughs) i don't know like yeah no i just yeah i figured (laughs) i i i get it was short but at the same time it was also like i was uh, this, this particular track I picked for the music more so than anything else, and it was only it was a, a short, short track, clip. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not counting 38 seconds in my head, so I didn't want to run out of time while I was still talking. But also, like, it's Wes Anderson doing Breakfast Club. Like, that's pretty much all you got to say for that trailer. It's like, hey, fucking art school kid. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> There's, listen. Hey, dude in film school. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what you're watching this weekend? <laughs> Guess oh, yeah. what you're watching this weekend? Yeah. And I, of course, wanted to go with a little nasally slightly higher voice i was thinking of doing the like the yeah kind of voice the, this summer yeah but not <laughs> but, with the serious inspired by a real story music that would be funny that would have been a, <laughs> that would have turned it into a funny trailer because <laughs> one kid has a gun <laughs> 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 no <laughs> oh this is ridiculous yeah so this is our oh, takes God. on uh on what we think would or would not necessarily work for breakfast club uh please let us know what you thought about this episode uh what you thought about our kind of turns and changes to the uh script 
our ideas for the casting. Uh, give us your ideas as well. We always love to yes. hear what you guys would would have liked to see um, on these reboots. And uh, definitely subscribe and rate us on iTunes or anywhere you can rate and subscribe for your podcasts. Um, and, you know, spread the word. Let your friends know how much you enjoy this podcast and, you know, maybe send them a link or two. And also, if you really want to support this podcast, along with any of the other ones on the Geeks Under the Influence Network, best way to do so is buy our merch. You go to the T Public site, uh, GYPodcast.com slash store. There's a link to our T Public page. And if you go through that link, there's uh, shirts for Smack My Pitch Up. There's shirts for Geeks Under the Influence, for Beautiful Disasters, Geek Fathers, uh, Smash Talk. Um, even Precap has a shirt on there. It's mm-hmm. a pretty sweet shirt, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with all sorts of other shirts with inside jokes or like running jokes on the show, all sorts of stuff. So um, that's the best way is to support the show by repping the show on T-shirts, CD cases, coffee mugs. Um, also, I mean, there's even journals and stuff you can buy if you want to if you want to oh, go yeah. high school with it. You buy a kid a onesie. Yeah, buy your kid a onesie uh, with smack my pitch up on it. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm, and if you do that, I do want a picture. Just hashtag uh, pitch smacked on uh, <laughs> pitch on social media and we'll find it. Yeah. So, um, as always, I'm Mike the Hobbit. Thank you for listening. And uh, you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com. <laughs>Time to put on your party pants, geeks, because on May 31st through June 2nd, Geeks Under the Influence Network is doing it live. Come out to GalaxyCon at the Richmond Convention Center to see Geeks Under the Influence, Smack My Pitch Up, Beautiful Disasters, and Geek Father doing a live recording of their shows. In addition, I will be on a panel called Adventures in Podcasting telling you how to get in and started on your very own podcast. There is plenty more in store coming from Geeks Under the Influence, so definitely stay tuned to our social media and GUIPodcast.com for more information. We have an event page on Facebook. If you look up the Smack My Pitch Up, Geek Father, Geeks Under the Influence, or Beautiful Disasters page on Facebook, you can find the event there or links on the homepage at GUIPodcast.com. Come out and join us or die live. This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.